Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're here in Manila, Philippines, where my wife's from, but also we're here for a big book launch happening this Father's Day. And it's an amazing book all about family travel, inspiring families to take their kids to South America. It's part one of a seven-part series, uh, South America, followed by the next six continents. Uh, and I'll be releasing those uh, you know, after this one. So make sure you grab a copy. It's available, of, of course, on daddyblogger.com plus across Amazon and all the different Amazons around the world. Just type in my name or type in uh, Family Travel, you'll find me. Type in my name, Ricky Shetty, and you'll be able to find me on Amazon. And uh, one of the things we do while we're traveling is we love interviewing fellow internet marketers, fellow digital nomads, fellow world travelers, and especially fellow authors. I just have such a kindred spirit with the author community just because there's so few of us. You know, in terms of the grand scale of like 7 billion people, I don't know how many of those 7 billion authors, but I would be guessing it's very, it's like less than a percentage of a percent. So very minority. Even though there's literally millions and millions of books, the number of authors are so few. Uh, so I get super excited whenever I interview another author because I can relate them automatically. We've gone through the, the, the struggles, we've come out the other side, we've published a book, and uh, we've become multimillionaires. I don't know if that part's true, but <laughs> you know, in terms of uh, gone through the struggles, and published the book, and uh, you know, uh, all the ups and downs of authorship, we can relate to. So I actually have an amazing author on the show here today who's just released his brand new book all about social media and internet addiction. What a pertinent topic for this day and age, but what a pertinent topic for digital nomads. The whole term digital nomads starts with the term digital, internet, you know, Wi-Fi, like where we're on internet constantly as nomads you know we're working um uh, around the world and we need our laptops we need to we, you know i say need uh because it, it feels like that it feels like it's wi-fi is more important than air <laughs> it really feels like that uh, you know i can live without oxygen but i cannot live without my strong internet speed uh, so I'm super excited to learn all about this topic of social media and internet addiction. You know, guilty as charged, me as a social media influencer, definitely addicted to some degree, quote unquote addicted. Uh, so our guest today, his name is Benton Turner. He is the author of Breaking the Feedback Loop. He's an expert in this area of helping others overcome their own internet addiction. So let's uh, welcome uh, our friend here, Benton, to the show from beautiful California. How are you doing today? Doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Really excited Thanks to be here. Why don't we get to know you a little bit? I know we're going to be talking about the book and dissecting this whole area of internet addiction, but we want to firstly get to know the author. Let's hear a little bit more about yourself and your background. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I graduated um, University of Pennsylvania, um, where I spent a lot of time studying the internet and really what I thought um, technology was doing to us and how it was shaping our lives. Uh, and, and I was very fortunate to be able to go into tech after um, after that, um, you know, after studying this topic. Um, so I, I worked at a partner of Facebook as a product manager um, working on advertising technology. And it was really then that I started to change my um, or really grow my understanding of what was happening because I realized that um, the business models that drive um, the design of these services that many of us struggle with uh, really encourages 
um, them to be addicting, uh, honestly, um, because the business model is purely powered by um, the amount of advertisements they can sell and the amount of data they can get on people to make those advertisements more targeted. So both of those things benefit from people spending more time on the service, um, you know, even irrational amounts of time, uh, meaning that you know the time spent is is not you know the benefits are not greater than the costs. Um, but we still do it anyway um, because of many of the little tricks and tip and, and you know uh, little tricks that they've that they've used to make them addicting. And the point of the book is to expose some of them, uh, you know, present some. Uh, some new theories on what what is addicting so we can better understand what to do to um, use it more rationally and, and beneficially uh, where you take advantage of the benefits but but like avoid the the cost of, of the constant distraction too much time mental space um, and uh, I've personally changed a lot of my behavior uh, you know after studying this topic and working in tech uh, and I've noticed an incredible benefit honestly in Um, you know, obviously, you know, uh, there are many other changes I've made to other other ways we use the internet. Um, but social media is, was probably one of the biggest ones, and was one where you know I, I had to spend a lot of time working. Um, so um, awesome, uh, Benton. I, I want to know a little bit about uh, when did you first come up with the idea to write the book? You already obviously were studying it quite intensively. You uh, were passionate about the topic. When did it go from that to, okay, I'm going to have a brilliant idea to write the book and then yeah. walk us through that process to actually getting it into a book for sure. No, that's an amazing question. Um, so for me, I, it, it was two things. It was one that I, I definitely thought I hit rock bottom and that I was truly addicted to many of these things. Um, I couldn't really focus. Uh, all my time was occupied. I, I couldn't get the reward of seeing friends and relaxing really. I was just, you know, I had no attention span. So I realized I really needed to change. And I started reading books, reading papers. Um, the papers I found very interesting, but the books I thought really didn't quite um, uh, provide the perspective that uh, would be most valuable to a young adult, uh, which would be the perspective of a young adult who had you know, experienced the issues, uh, got over them. And um, you know, as I later was able to get you know, the, the experience of working in the field, um, instead, there were many uh, older authors that, uh, at a high level, really did you know point out the issues and spoke very you know pointedly about them, like Sherry Turkle, uh, such like that. But um, but there, there there was a gap. So I thought, you know what? Uh, even though I'm relatively young and uh, you know would actually have probably preferred not to write the book, I felt like I really needed to. Um, and so that was the beginning of like a three-year process of interviewing, writing. Um, you know, I love writing, but uh, but it's it's definitely tough. So I got into it thinking that there was this need. It started from there. So obviously, uh, you know, people need to purchase a copy of the book. But uh, why don't you give us a kind of an overarching summary of uh, the book in terms of the themes, the yeah. topics, maybe some of the chapters? Uh, break it down a little bit for us. Yeah. So half of it is social media. Um, but then half of it is uh, what I call digital sexual addiction. So um, addiction to pornography, um, but also to, I think, sexual stimuli on social media. So, uh, you know, we were talking about social media before, and I think for a lot of people, um, part of the draw 
especially to services like Instagram, um, is to consume sexual stimulation um, because uh, they're essentially like hyper reactive to it from uh, heavy use of, of porn uh, because it, it wears down receptivity, uh, but at the same time uh, increases their uh, reaction to the digital. Uh, anyways, we, we can go into that. It's quite, it's quite complicated, but, uh, but, but yeah, so it's part social media, part porn. Um, and then there's also maybe 20% of just like general advice for um, transitioning from a life of, you know, constant multitasking to a life of single tasking, you know, singular focus on, on things for sustained periods of time uh, without distraction. Um, and I go into a lot of the science behind that as well. Um, you know, throughout the book, there are a hundred citations, uh, and there's, you know, a co-author that worked with me as well. Um, so it, yeah, it walks through those, those, um, those challenges and then, uh, goes through my narrative of experiencing the issues, uh, changing my behavior, uh, improving my life and, uh, advising others on how they can do the same. It sounds like a different formula for freedom and success, um, Benton. So I'm curious to know, uh, I think most of our viewers and listeners out there in Cyberland are asking themselves this question as they're hearing us talk. Am I addicted? And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that to myself, too. I'm like, am I addicted? I'm like, no, it's not like alcohol. It's not like cigarettes. It's not like drugs. I'm not, you know, injecting myself. That's what we think of when we think of addiction. But right. some people are addicted to coffee as a stimuli. Some people are addicted to Coca-Cola. Some people are addicted to a Slurpee, right? Like, like they almost can't function without it. And I think of coffee as kind of a, like a, a socially acceptable addiction. And social media as kind of a socially accepted addiction. Right. So going back to my question, what, how, at what point do you go across the spectrum of non-addicted to addicted? Yeah, so I think when people are addicted, at least um, at least this is how the people in science think about it, uh, they're um, finding themselves uh, doing something that is causing them harm and that they're unsuccessful at stopping. So they recognize it's harmful, they try stopping, and they can't stop. Um, and that was, that was my case, and um, you know, based on what I've read, it seems to be the case of many people. Um, so, you know, I, I think you can use it, um, in a very controlled way. It's very hard though, because, um, these companies benefit basically from you being addicted. Uh, but you know, when you, if you do certain things like, like, uh, for instance, in social media, if you just stop checking notifications, I mean, if you're an influencer, it may be different because you want to see who's commenting on your things and such. But, but if you're just a normal person, you stop checking notifications, um, that gives you, uh, great distance from addiction because uh, you, you basically uh, push yourself out of addiction to variable reward, which, you know, for many, many years has been known to be very addicting, whether it's the slot machines, um, you know, or whatever. Uh, and, and so with notifications on social media, you have no idea when they're going to come. Um, and they're rewarding, though, because they they reduce anxiety about um you know, who's interacted with your profile publicly, which for sure, like, you know, it's easy to be concerned about that. Um, but uh, you need to like push back and have the greater benefit of, of controlling it 
um, not being addicted to notifications really, which I think is the essence. Um, and yeah, you, you maybe maybe you don't like see who likes your picture or whatever, but for me, I haven't checked notifications in two years and I've only once almost missed an event uh, that was planned exclusively through Facebook. And even then, I uh, in the gym, uh, I, I saw a friend and he told me about the event later that night and I made I made the event. So, you know, so that you, you let the notifications just pile up. They go to 99, they go back to zero, um, you don't touch them. And then all of a sudden, I feel like it's very easy to be less addicted. At the same time though, you can only get so much out of changing your behavior with um, social media and all these other things. You also need to make your real life more stimulating and meaningful. Um, uh, because often that's probably uh, just as important as these sort of psychological traps we fall into. Um, if your real life is, is if, if you spend effort making it more meaningful, like you, you pursue your interests, you have great relationships, um, theoretically the uh, opportunity cost of your time is higher and the impulse to distract yourself and escape is less. Uh, obviously it's really hard to do. We all struggle with that. I, you know, I'm still struggling with that, but, um, but it's very important to, yeah, um, make sure your real life is strong. Um, otherwise it's, it's just, you're fighting an uphill battle. There's definitely a time variable uh, to this too. And I'd love to discuss this whole gray area, like non-addiction, we kind of know what that is. We kind of know what addiction is. And there's this whole gray area, someone on their phone, you know, like uh, we, we see this all the time, right? At, at dinner tables, at restaurants, on buses, people are walking in the street and they just kind of on their phone, bumping to everything. and. Um, you know, like how much time is too much time when it comes to social media, checking your emails, uh, you know, pretending you're on the phone when you should be actually socializing. Walk, right. us through, walk us through the gray area. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, uh, you just, you want to be using them rationally. And most people don't. Most people have no idea that um, there are consequences. Um, you know, for instance, like uh, reduced attention span uh, in the case of social media, reduced life satisfaction, reduced mental health. Um, and so they're blinded essentially by the short-term kicks that they get from checking their texts or checking social media. And, you know, when they're not considering the consequences, it seems rational. It seems like, okay, uh, this is something we should do. But uh, when you become aware of the consequences, uh, it, it becomes like a little bit less clear. Um, so for most people, I would say that they are in that gray area. Um, but if they, uh, you know, read more on the topic, uh, they'll realize that there are consequences that are subtle and, um, then they'll be more motivated to change their behavior. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that if it's like, if it's preventing you from focusing and like getting work done, um, efficiently, um, and you find yourself constantly stressed, you have difficulty sleeping, um, then I think it's worth wondering whether or not you're addicted to the constant distraction and stimulation. Um, and it's probably worth doing a detox or just, or gradually scaling back and trying to focus on improving your, your life in the real world. Um, uh, it really does help to look at the science though, because it really is clear that, um, that a lot of this stuff uh, makes it harder to focus, makes it harder to work, makes us less happy. And I can get into that if you want, like why that's the case. Um, but um, 
you know, for, for some people though, maybe it's fine. Like it's that, that behavior is fine. But if, if you have certain goals that you're not, that you think you're not able to reach because of your behavior, it's, it's probably worth um, thinking that you should change your behavior. So rather than thinking about addiction and non-addiction, I think it's worth thinking about what is like a rational amount of use. Um, uh, although, you know, I will say, I think some people are, are addicted to the random distraction and stimulation, so. Yeah, and you know, the first step of getting help, as they say in AA, is you know, admitting it, right? And we all like, kind of joke about that. I'm Ricky, I'm a, I'm a social Facebook alcoholic or whatever, right? But uh, it can be quite serious. I, I don't know if there's any uh, kind of organizations such as Alcohols Anonymous, Cigarette Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, you know, AA, NA. Uh, what about Social Media Anonymous? Or uh, are they these kind of organizations yet? There are for um, for like pornography. There are over three hundred thousand people on this forum of Reddit called NoFap, where they're all helping each other get off this um, uh, what they consider addiction, um, uh, which probably is. Uh, and um, I mean, it's insane. I mean, you know, uh, these people are uh, you know, there's so many of them um, working together uh, for social media. I think. Um, it is harmful, but it's not as harmful, I think, for as many people actually as pornography addiction. Um, uh, but um, but it is it is clear. I mean, there there are control studies, like long term studies, that show that uh, you know, with more time spent online, you have uh, reduced life satisfaction, reduced mental health, reduced physical health, even, um, and and that's after control. So you know, you could think that people with uh, worse, uh, you know, life satisfaction are, are drawn to social media as an escape, but even after controlling for your previous state, it made it worse. Um, and that was a study by two professors, one Yale sociology professor, Nicholas Christakis, and, um, uh, another one as well. Uh, uh, but, um, but yeah, I think more people are becoming aware um, I haven't seen the same degree of like communities forming with social media as there are with like pornography, but, uh, but I think people are becoming more aware for sure. Yeah. And uh, sometimes it might be more of an accountability group. I'll, I'll see like, uh, you know, hashtag, um, you know, social media fast or I'm going off Facebook guys for a month. Uh, don't worry about me. Nothing's gone wrong. Right. Because it, it's almost like socially uh, social obligation. If I don't post in a month, something's wrong with me, but, you know, we we never used to do that back in the day. So, that, you know, like there's this whole social obligation factor as well. But I think now more and more people are being uh, becoming cognizant and taking like detox, like you said, the detoxes, breaks, fasts, and uh, you know, like um, maybe limit limitations. Maybe Sunday, the Sabbath day, and you don't be on social media on Sunday, or maybe after nine p.m. or before before you go to sleep, like maybe don't have the phone next to you, right? So maybe those kind of uh, you know, kind of solutions, I guess. Uh, I'm curious to know about the term that you, you refer to called the feedback loop. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, uh, your book is obviously called Breaking the Feedback Loop. So, uh, you know, maybe some of our listeners of yours don't actually know that term or are not familiar with uh, what it means to you as a writer. So what does that term mean? Maybe you can define it for us. Yeah, so it basically means that um, behaviors, um, cause uh, uh, they compound and they get worse and worse. Um, 
And so I'll um, explain uh, one of the feedback loops I present, um, which helps us explain why we feel possibly addicted. Um, so for social media, um, if you think about the design of it, um, I realized that it works uh, this way. So the homepage, the newsfeed, streamlines peer comparison, right? You're seeing pictures of all the people you're connected to completely condensed in one feed. And the consequence of peer comparison is that you're, you're subconsciously comparing yourself isolated, you know, typically going into social media in times of weakness as well and loneliness against other people in their most, most glorified, you know, romanticized um, points of life that they're projecting, um, you know, because they want social capital or, you know, because that, that's really what it encourages. Uh, and uh, the, the outcome of feeling insecure from peer comparison is the desire to upload content for validation to reduce the insecurity. Um, and so you're on the, the news feed, you feel insecure, then you think, okay, I need to upload something, get likes, upload a picture, um, and then closely monitor that for validation. Um, and all of a sudden you're, you're drawn back to social media all the time, checking the validation, um, you know, who's liking your content. Um, and you're exposed to more content from other people uh, while isolated, and that makes you feel worse. And it's this kind of, uh, this loop that explains why people are not satisfied after using social media. Um, but the reason why people go to it anyway is because there is that short-term kick from seeing new information from people in your community. Um, so condensed, especially. It's like, you know, the gossip high, but on a new level. Um, so the feedback loop in that case, yeah, it's, it's peer comparison, external self-esteem, and that's not good because both of those things are, are associated with symptoms of depression, you know, worth, lower sense of self-worth. Um, so that's one feedback loop. And there are ways to escape it, you know, like I think not checking notifications, um, uploading less content, you know, consuming less content, um, developing a stronger real life. Um, uh, and, you know, if your self-worth has been worn down, you know, I think community service is a great way to feel a better sense of self-worth. Um, but that's one feedback loop. Um, you know, uh, the other, I think, is uh, part of this digital sexual addiction. So with pornography, the access to unlimited novelty um, basically causes people to, uh, to increase their rate of masturbating and ejaculating. So they're depleting energy much more rapidly. Because, you know, they can constantly, and I was in this position as well for a period of time. You know, you, you can switch tabs, you can rewind, fast forward, you can consume all this novelty. Um, and that, that allows us to, you know, drain energy much more rapidly. Uh, the consequence of that, I think, is that um, people then seek hits of sexual stimulation and dopamine from social media throughout the day. Uh, especially on, like, Instagram, where they're using machine learning to curate incredibly uh, you know, sexually stimulating content based on what you've seen in the past. So you're consuming this content during the day. Um, you feel you feel sexually stimulated. You don't have a channel for it, and it's through the digital interface. So to to basically channel that sexual anxiety, the best way to do that is through porn, and that brings you back into the digital sexual loop. Um, uh, so th there are many loops. Um, 
but uh, you know, yeah, um, that explain it helps explain why people uh, feel how they feel with these the, the technology. You know. So we've done a great job of elaborating on the problem. We've looked at it from many different angles, from uh, you know, scientific, sociological, personal, sexual, uh, you know, kind of like the the spectrum. So I'd love to uh, cover now and to go into the solutions. Obviously, uh, people don't want to be stuck uh, in uh, in uh, this type of addiction. So what have you found? I mean, you obviously broke free yourself, so uh, I want to give you a, a big applause and an air high five and a thumbs up for breaking free. Congratulations, my friend, Benton. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> it's much better. It's much better. Um, it's, it's hard to really free, easy. but you're helping right. others break free. So there are, I know for a fact, uh, our listeners of yours, uh, a lot of them might be on the spectrum of addiction addicted to kind of gray. So how can those people um, you get solutions? What solutions would you provide or help them with? Yeah, so you know, I, I present ideas, um, suggestions in the book uh, that have worked well for me and for other people. Um, I, I definitely think uh, making, like finding like meaningful relationships and work in the real world and um, uh, while also scaling back your digital uh, consumption together is key because if you just like try and like you know withdraw from pornography gradually uh if there's nothing that's filling that void um you're gonna relapse 100 percent um and same thing with social media like maybe maybe you stop using social media as much you, you can find it but now you're getting hits from like clickbait articles and the same consequences there you're distracting yourself and preventing yourself from focusing um so uh yeah, you really need to like focus on the real world as well. Um, isolation is definitely bad. You know, face-to-face -face interaction uh, has been shown to be like very valuable. Uh, often ignored, people think, okay, texting is the same. It's not psychologically. Um, so uh, there, there's so much you can do. Um, but to boil it all down, it, it's 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 to make the the real world more meaningful and stimulating for you while also withdrawing and gradually reducing the, the constant distraction and uh, uh, digital use that's making you feel lonely and uh, distracted. And yeah, 100%. And we're, we're there to you know, welcome you on the other side. Uh, it's it's, it's definitely, definitely important to do, for sure. Yeah, so Benton, uh, you know, you have uh, definitely become an expert, a specialist in this area, an authority figure. So uh, where do you see your book taking you in terms of speaking, coaching, uh, obviously doing media interviews such as this one? Uh, what does the future hold for you in terms of uh, taking this world and making yourself those multimillionaires we talked about earlier? Um, no, I mean, I, I think that, like, you know, I really am doing this just to help people improve their lives um, and to give give really young adults uh, something that I wish I had going into this process, which was way too long and inefficient because there was nothing that I that I read that was really helpful. A lot of stuff was helpful, but but not as helpful, I think, as, as this. Um, I am working on another draft. Um, if, if this continues to go well, then I, I'll release it. Um, if not, I, I may just like share it with people um, or just upload it. Um, but I, I do plan probably on uh, on going back into back to working in tech. Um, but maybe maybe like helping uh, helping make things that that help people control these things better. Um, there are a lot of interesting companies out there.
trying to tackle this um, these issues. So like their their you know pornography addiction recovery programs um, uh, and stuff like that. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm actually I'm still figuring it out. So we'll we'll see. Yeah, I definitely wish you the best there. Uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, it's all about changing life for one person. I truly believe that. If you've impacted one person, everything you've done has been worth it. So, and I know you've not just impacted one. It's literally in the hundreds of thousands. So, yeah, good on you, my friend. Uh, ben, uh, to end off this interview, how can people uh, connect with you on a personal level? Uh, they might want to get some personal private coaching, uh, mentoring, um, or they might want to purchase a copy of the book or maybe get you to speak at one of the events or conferences. So tell us about the different ways that people can connect. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think um, the best thing to do is just to email me. Um, you can email me, um, it's uh, bentonturner3 at gmail.com. Um, and uh, yeah, happy to help however I can uh, to anyone, so. And uh, once again, the website, social media. Uh, ironically enough, we're asking for the website and social media, but how can they connect there too? Okay, yeah. So there is actually, uh, so I, I do have an Instagram that I occasionally check and I, I post pictures, um, uh, but um, like of, of the book and stuff like that. Uh, and I think that's, yeah, that's, that's just breaking the feedback loop. So you can look that up on Instagram, um, but uh, it's not updated that often. <laughs> Well, so. hey, you're, you're walking the talk. You're walking the talk. You don't need to update it often, right? You don't need to get those likes or those hearts or those thumbs up or those air fives, right? You're good. Uh, you're good with, uh, you know, uh, being free. So uh, the website again is called breakingthefeedbackloop.com. Right, right. I I will say though, I, I think some people, you know, it, it is beneficial social media. You know, um, it's just like even for people where, where it helps them build a community or audience, it's worth like understanding and controlling it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, like anything, uh, you know, uh, in moderation, every everything can be good to some degree, right? Uh, so it's all about that moderation. And, uh, you know, social media is obviously phenomenal in terms of the way it's connected us and, uh, you know, uh, you know, improved uh, uh, so many different facets of our everyday lives. Like even social media has allowed us to do this interview. So thank you, social media. Right, for sure. No, absolutely. Definitely. Benefits. So thanks, social media, and thank you to you, Benton. It was a joy and a pleasure to connect with you on a personal level here, and I look forward to connecting, as they say, yeah, IRL say in real life. Yeah, 100%. Look forward to seeing you, man. Yeah, take care. We'll stay in touch. Okay, sounds good, Benton. And uh, thank you, everyone, uh, for joining this episode uh, live on YouTube and also across the podcast directories, including iTunes. Leave us a rating and review. Also, let us know we want to come and support you, uh, not literally come and support you, but uh, help you out, support you any way we can. Uh, so if you have um, a problem with this area, you need to reach out and uh, you know um, ask for help uh, and uh, just declare it and you know catharsis and uh, be open about it. So that that's my little uh, call to action, uh, you know, for all of our listeners and viewers. So uh, thank you, everyone. Uh, we've talked about Benton's book. I'll close off with my book. A little shout out. Father's Day coming up. A perfect Father's Day gift for the dad in your life teaching them, inspiring them, getting out there and seeing the beauty of this world, uh, like Machu Picchu, Iguazu Falls, uh, the Amazon, Bolivian Salt Flats, and so much more. Who needs technology when you have the beauty of God's creation? So thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode, and we'll catch up with you in the next one. Happy travels. <laughs>